Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Our guest today is Ben Steele, who is the director of international economics at the Council on Foreign Relations in the United States. He's written an article on John Maynard Keynes, or rather John Maynard Keynes' um, attempt, uh, well, shall we call it diplomacy, um, to engage with the United States uh, politicians um, in order to secure a deal, starting with land lease and then later on at Bretton Woods, um, for a bankrupt Britain, uh, which was facing its financial Dunkirk at the time. Um, Dr. Steele, can you tell us something about the background of Keynes and to why he was held in such high regard by the British establishment at that point in time uh, the, during the Second World War? Well, Keynes was widely considered to be the most innovative economist of his time, and he was also considered to be um, uh, one of the world's greatest public intellectuals at the time. Um, he was no doubt a very acute analyst of Britain's uh, financial predicament. He had actually started working on uh, wartime uh, financial issues back during uh, World War I. Uh, his first official mission to Washington was um, uh, in 1917. All his official visits to Washington over the course of his career were, were begging missions. Um, but I should emphasize that um, Keynes was not um, universally held in high regard by the British establishment, particularly on the right. Many considered him to be uh, unsound in his economic thinking, uh, particularly with regard to his views on uh, deficit financing. And many also considered him to be unreliable in terms of his dedication to maintaining the British Empire. We look at the challenge that Keynes faced when he went over to the United States in the early 1940s. Just how bad was Britain's financial state during the Second World War, and even worse, by the end of the Second World War? It was extremely dire. Uh, Britain's debt-to-GDP ratio had reached 240%. And more importantly, it was impossible to trade in the 1940s any other way besides barter. Um, uh, except if you had U.S. dollars or gold, um, dollars being the only reliable surrogate for gold at the time. And uh, the U.S. controlled nearly 80% of the world's monetary gold reserves. Um, so Britain was, in effect, completely dependent uh, on the United States to get through the war. And uh, the U.S. Treasury was also determined that uh, assistance to Britain during the war be very carefully managed um, from Washington 
such that Britain would um, never uh, be able to get its foreign exchange reserves up to a level where it would be able to engage in any sort of independent action on the world stage. And crucial to the negotiations were the personal relationships that Keynes had with the American negotiators. Right. And in particular, there is the really significant figure, Harry Dexter White. What was, how did they treat Keynes over there? How was he held, what kind of regard was he held in by the American negotiators, particularly Dexter White? Well, the uh, technocrats within uh, FDR's treasury, people like Harry Dexter White, um, held Keynes in extremely high regard as uh, an economic thinker. Um, although those higher up in the administration, particularly people like Treasury Secretary Henry Morgenthau, um, uh, didn't really care about Keynes's economic views. Uh, they certainly didn't care about his public intellectual status. They considered the man to be uh, rude, arrogant, and condescending. Uh, they also learned in their dealings with Keynes not to take him too seriously and that he was always threatening to storm out of negotiations. Uh, but they firmly believed, rightly so, that Keynes would never walk away, that at the end of the day he would sign on the dotted line and the Americans could dictate the terms. Harry Dexter White um, uh, held Keynes in such high regard as a thinker that he used to get himself literally physically sick in advance of negotiations with Keynes because he didn't want to humiliate himself in front of his colleagues. Uh, but he worked very diligently um, and used some rather remarkable ruses at Bretton Woods in order to ensure that um, uh, he would best Keynes. For example, Keynes was marginalized at Bretton Woods. He was made head of the commission to create the World Bank in order to keep him away from the main event, which was cre to create the dollar dominated international monetary fund. And when we talk about Bretton Woods, what exactly is that? Well, uh, a few things were established at Bretton Woods, um, the most important of which was um, a new uh, dollar-based fixed exchange rate system that would be overseen by a new international monetary fund. Now, Keynes and White sparred for several years in advance of Bretton Woods over what this IMF and this new international monetary architecture would look like. Uh, the Americans, of course, were determined that it be dollar-dominated. Um, uh, Keynes and the British uh, wanted, of course, nothing of the sort. Keynes had actually proposed a new supranational currency, which he wanted to call Bancor, which he hoped would ultimately supersede the U.S. dollar. And what did Britain gain, if anything, from Bretton Woods? In my view, uh, very little. Um, uh, Bretton Woods uh, was very much an American-dominated uh, uh, event from start to finish. Uh, uh, my view is that Keynes made a, a grievous mistake in going forward under American terms. I think he was overwedded to cementing his personal legacy as the man who overthrew the gold standard and replaced it with a new system. He certainly didn't like the American system, Harry Dexter White system, but he believed that the world would eventually cease sense and move towards um, his view. But there were many 
within the British um, uh, civil service who were scathing about Keynes's approach. The most important figure of which was um, Sir Richard Clark, Otto Clark in the U.S. Treasury, um, who excoriated Keynes for being overly wedded to a quote-unquote grand design. He believed that uh, Britain should have walked away from Bretton Woods and negotiated loans from other sources, such as the U.S. Export-Import Bank, which didn't have the geopolitical agenda that the U.S. Treasury did, uh, Canada, and uh, uh, privately from U.S. bankers. In fact, there was a fascinating rearguard action by a group of American bankers in uh, May of 1944, just before Bretton Woods. Uh, U.S. bankers were very much against Bretton Woods and the International Monetary Fund, and they offered the British a deal. Uh, walk away from this International Monetary Conference, and we will arrange a loan of at least $3 billion for uh, Britain, which would get Britain through the war. Uh, the British Financial Secretary in Washington was very interested in this deal, but Keynes would have nothing to do with it. And what's the wider legacy of Bretton Woods so far as the global financial system goes? Well, I should emphasize that both Keynes and White uh, were wedded to the idea of a system of fixed but adjustable exchange rates. And, of course, we don't live in such a world today. Today we have um, uh, floating exchange rates. So the IMF that exists today uh, would be virtually unrecognizable to Keynes and White. Neither Keynes nor White uh, viewed the IMF as uh, having a, a sort of crisis firefighter uh, role. They saw the IMF only as being an institution that would grease the wheels of international trade. Um, the, there is one tangible legacy of the 1940s uh, in the IMF that few people know anything about, really quite fascinating. In January of 46, President Truman nominates Harry Dexter White to be the first U.S. executive director of the fund, and he's also going to nominate him to be the first managing director, the head of the fund. But when FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover gets wind of this, he prepares a long memo for Truman saying, don't even think of it, I can prove the man is a Soviet spy. Now, Truman doesn't trust Hoover, but he knows he's got a political problem on his hands, so in order to cover it up, the administration concocts a new narrative that they take to the British, in which they argue that the U.S. administration has decided that um, in order to secure the confidence of the American investment community, they actually want the top post at the World Bank, and they will graciously concede the top post at the IMF to a European. So this is the reason why, to this day, a European runs the IMF and not an American. That's fascinating, Ben. And in fact, we've seen John Maynard Keynes uh, court some controversy, even in death recently, with some comments from the Harvard historian Neil Ferguson, um, who quoted him at one point in that famous phrase from the 1923 work, I think it is, A Tract on Monetary Reform. Uh, and it's the full quote that's not normally used. The long run is a misleading guide to current affairs. In the long run, we're all dead. Without dealing with the specific controversy um, that Ferguson was concerned there, do you think it's fair that Keynes has this reputation as a short-termist? Um, uh there is no doubt um, that uh, Keynes believed that when you're faced with an economic crisis, uh, like both Britain and the United States were faced with in the 1930s, that it was necessary to deal with the short term 
um, uh, with the purpose, ultimately, of making sure that long-run prosperity was uh, assured. Now, his views on uh, how one should deal with the crisis were obviously controversial. Um, but uh, as you know, there were those in the 1930s, like uh, Joseph Schumpeter, who argued that um, uh, Keynes's emphasis on the short term uh, was uh, something one would expect of a, a childless thinker. And I think these were the, the comments that um, uh, Ferguson was uh, picking up on. Yeah. In my view, it's wholly unnecessary to... Uh, impute any sort of psychosexual motivations behind Keynes's economic thinking, because uh, Keynes always provided uh, lucid economic reasoning for his views. One could find them more compelling or less compelling, but since he always provided the reasoning, uh, Keynes's economic thinking, in my view, uh, has to be evaluated wholly on its merits. Yeah, and indeed, it may be worth pointing out that um, the constant transatlantic shuttling uh, that Keynes was involved in, which was very much concerned with uh, dealing with a, a, a serious uh, long-term solution to the post-war world, actually pretty much broke him as a person physically. Absolutely. Um, uh, Keynes, uh, during many of his most difficult negotiations in the United States, uh, suffered heart attacks. Uh, probably, probably the worst of which was suffered in November of 1945 in his last official uh, uh, trip uh, to Washington when he was negotiating a post-war transitional loan. Um, in fact, this uh, uh, loan was only paid off in full very recently in 2006. Keynes found the strain of these negotiations too much to bear. Um, and at what one point, uh, the British government actually sent um, a replacement for him as head of the negotiating committee. And the British ambassador in uh, Washington, Lord Halifax, actually did um, at one point threaten, uh, rather graciously, but threatened nonetheless, uh, not to ratify at Bretton Woods and walk away from the agreement unless the uh, American loan terms were made more reasonable. Well, thank you, Ben. That's absolutely fascinating. And for those people who wish to know more about Keynes and his role at Bretton Woods, they can read the Dunkirk Diplomat feature in the June edition of History Today. And those who wish to know even more can go to Ben Steele's excellent new book, The Battle of Bretton Woods, John Maynard Keynes, Harry Dexter White, and The Making of a New World Order, which is published by Princeton. Thank you very much, Ben. Thanks so much, Paul.